Welcome to Chatting About Change with Dr. Jim Maddox. I'm a professor, OD consultant, and change strategist, helping individuals and organizations experience life to the fullest and engaging in positive transformational change. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chatting About Change with Dr. Jim Maddox. Today, my guest is Dorothy Semenovich from uh, Toronto, Canada. Um, so welcome, Dorothy. It's, it's uh, great to have you on here. So tell my listeners a little bit about your background. I'm, I'm really fascinated about your um, involvement with the Gestalt Center. So first of all, Jim, hello. And to all the listeners that you have um, um, grown over the years, I say hello to your community. Thanks for the invitation. Um, I'm, a, I'm considered a uh, early pioneer of Gestalt coaching. Um, in the early days, I was at the Gestalt Institute of Cleveland, and then I co-founded the Gestalt Institute, uh, the, the Gestalt Center for Coaching uh, in Istanbul, and we're also in Toronto. So I have the joy of working globally, and particularly in some sense, sharing a headquarters with my Turkish colleagues who have brought me this sense of being in Europe. So our, you know, Turk Istanbul is where Europe and Asia meet. So it's interesting. You can see Europe and Asia in the community that come to us for learning uh, Asian eyes and a European kind of mindset. And it's actually quite fascinating. So we're in our 12th year of running the Gestalt coaching program, which is also we've partnered with the ICF I'm very proud to be one of those gold standard uh, ICF, you know, blessed uh, Gestalt coaching programs. And what I lately have been telling people and explaining to people of, to differentiate what Gestalt coaching is, is I tell people not only co Gestalt coaching is not therapy, it's also not consulting. I've got my PhD from Case Western Reserves Organizational Development uh, uh, Department, but in particular, uh, Gestalt coaching is under the umbrella of what I think vertical development theories are. And, you know, people say, well, what is that? And that term is used, was introduced to me by Nick Petrie at the Center for Creative Learning, uh, Creative um, Center. But vertical development theories have to do with really understanding that uh, knowledge is important and learning is a linear sometimes. We learn A to, to Z in terms of the steps of learning. Very important. Mastery is considered, some people say, 100,000 uh, efforts, uh, re repetition uh, towards per perfection of mastery. But vertical development is how we use ourselves in the moment to recognize something that is disrupting us or catching our attention or is not what we expected that requires adaptability, creativity, uh, innovation. And isn't it interesting that Gestalt approach, I think is finding kind of a resurgence because it has those elements of saying here and now, uh, experiential. And here's the beautiful thing for today's upside down world is we are innovative by creating learning experiments. So even now, learners, listeners don't know, but Jim and I just had a 20-minute a go-round <laughs> of trying to get online. 
and um, Jim and I are kind of new to each other, but I, I experience myself staying calm with you as opposed to reactive, right? Uh, staying, okay, what can we do? And all of those kind of things are, are traits about using the now in adaptive ways. And I think that's where Gestalt theory uh, teaches us how to inhabit the moment uh, with our best resources, with our adaptive resources, um, and also managing our resistance, managing our failures in the service of learning. So that's what I'm known for. And I think our Gestalt program is also, I just wanna to say to everybody, uh, coaching, whether you work as a coach or you have a skill set to use under the OD umbrella or the leadership umbrella, it is considered a human way to influence learning and change. And I think in a world that's so, so changing, we need a, uh, a coaching mindset skill set to help ourselves and others uh, adapt to a world that shockingly every day seems different. Yeah, if there was ever a need for that gestalt, that, that looking at the whole, understanding the whole, you know, dealing with um, disruption and needing oh. resiliency, it, it's the, it couldn't be more necessary than right now with this, the, the you know, the global nature of, of our Absolutely. challenges that we're facing. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, in, in many ways, I know that um, about uh, two months ago, I was invited to work with um, an HR kind of, um, you know, I call them the McKinsey of the Middle East, and they had involved all these different groups that were considered agile uh, practitioners. And these were, you know, really the scholars of agile. And um, I said, well, us too. And they said, well, you're an agile master. And I said, no, no, I like the word agile. <laughs> I think we need to stay agile to get up from um, derailment and recalibrate what is it that we're responding to and know how to, this is not going to work. Okay. Um, I just, what can we do to be resilient? And I, yes, I do think Gestalt has a way of helping us see that the way that we're looking at things, maybe we need to look again and uh, change our perspective. And that's pretty powerful. How would you, how would you kind of, um, and, and this is probably a, a deep, long question, you know, long answer, but, but just for the listeners, how would you kind of distinguish um, gestalt coaching from other types of, of coaching in the ICF world? It's a wonderful question. Thank you. Um, that would be my easiest answer to say it's a wonderful question, period. <laughs> I want to I use, I use that with my students sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, then, you know, then I've just gotten that from you just in your presence. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I've never quite had that, but I like that. Well, I think it's, I think it's uh, if anything, the Gestalt approach is very organic. And uh, I think we honor all the different approaches. But if there is what is distinctive about the Gestalt approach, um, we center our focus to the here and now. And we really feel like we don't have to give you a huge interview. I can tell by your behavior. Uh, something about your character. I could look at the whole, your, the way that you're sitting and I get, just from your embodiment, I get a sense of you. And I also use myself as a GPS and I think, what am I picking up in myself that, that 
of course, this is not about me, maybe, but also something about you. So I look to use my presence as a, as a radar to pick up something about your global gymnast. Your, and, you know, gestalt is a German word for uh, what's the whole and the parts of it, uh, the different parts of gym. So I would be very much listening to that and then picking up, and, you know, gestalt is in many ways using oneself as an instrument to pick up data about what I see in you and what kind of cues I'm picking up in myself that tell me something about you. So like right now, as I'm looking at the screen, I think I see you're nodding. I go, okay, you're, we're resonating because somehow, yeah. you know, we're together still. So I think it's a very adaptive way of really picking up um, whole body learning. So it's not that, you know, they're the embodiment people out there. There's a somatics people out there. There's a positive mindset out there. There are positive intelligence out there. There's emotional and all of that is within Gestalt. I think we're a very integrative uh, place. And in many ways, I think to say, and it's not showing off, it's just, you know, uh, a relative of mine used to say, it's not boasting if you did it. <laughs> And Gestalt has always been centered in body, mind, and kind of emotional energy, spirit as well. So that we pick up cues from what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What am I noticing in my behavior? What am I noticing in you that I can track? And so it's a very engaging and alive moment. And the data, the, the phrase that I like to use is the data that we give uh, prejudice to, I would say positive bias to, is the data of the moment. So I would be like, people would say, well, Jim is a very studious person, let's say. But I'd be looking and listening to, to see how well you listen to me. I'd be looking to feel um, how are you listening to the words. And then I would, in the moment, almost create my own gestalt of how I see this moment. And so people who study gestalt, maybe are those that feel a natural curiosity to be able to read the moment. People that come to us are, tend to be people that want to use themselves to know what's going on. They're not afraid to be without an agenda. Or they'll say, you know, I'm in a leadership position or I work with people and sometimes I know I'm missing things. I'd like to get better at picking up the data that is not in my agenda but is right in front of my face. And what we do from our learning is, I think we learn to learn to pick up awareness cues that very often is, it kind of reveals what was obvious in front of you that you were not paying attention to. And so very often we'd say to people, what are you aware of? And very often when we work with people that are like in a group situation, the thing that really fascinates people is, what they learned that they were not aware of that other people were aware of. That's called multiple realities. And so what people, I think, studying the Gestalt approach is they get interested in what were we aware of? What were we not aware of? Because we had some resistance pattern and we weren't paying attention to it. Like we didn't, like, for example, you say, well, what's that? There are people that get that, that learn early in life, be polite. And, uh, you know, so if they're, if they're with someone who is being somewhat um, 
let's say, interrupting or not exactly polite. They might not say anything. They, they're used to ignoring what is irritating. And uh, one of the things that would happen is we'd say to them is, how did you allow yourself to be part of an encounter where somebody was being rude and dismissive to you and you ignored it? And they said, well, I'm just used to, I would never interrupt. I said, well, how can you let that person know how you feel without insulting them? Like you might be able to say, excuse me, I'm not able to continue just because I feel, um, I, I, I'm not sure if you're talking to me or you want me to say something. Could we stop for a moment? They don't even, even look at the idea that there is a different option because oh. they have an old resistance pattern. Do not disturb somebody who disturbs you. <laughs> and, you know, that's called the, you know, be too nice. Or there might be a person who wants to say something um, in a meeting. You know, how many times do we hear we have a colleague? Sometimes it's even us. We, we have a great idea, but we are careful not to present it because the timing isn't right or we haven't been, and we don't know how to create the moment to present something because we're waiting for that perfect moment. And then we regret for the next six months that we didn't, we didn't seize the moment. <laughs> how do we uh, uh, support people to use themselves to interrupt and uh, announce something instead of you know, assuming that they have to wait until they are invited. And again, Jim, I think that these are such small skills, but so learnable and so dramatic. Because very often people say, well, behavior change is this huge phenomenon, right? And what we really say from a Gestalt perspective is learning, even transformative learning, happens sometimes in very small steps, but the outcome is huge. That's very subtle. Yes. So like, you know, I mean, Gestalt work and also it's systems work. So, you know, most people, and this is a very, you know, get back to that question, how to differentiate Gestalt coaching from other systems. Well, we are multi-level. So we're not just at the individual level, but we span being able to work at the dyad level, at the group level. So Gestalt work um, has systems principle it too. It has group work uh, concepts because really when we're coaching an executive, even though you're coaching an executive at the individual level, we know that all executives are responsible for managing teams and groups. So we have to also engage with them around how are they delivering at that contact boundary. And so one of the things about that is we would really say, how are you engaging yourself there? And what's the work um, that you're choosing to engage? And what are the small things that you want to make sure that you've attended? So our principles are, what are you aware of? You know, what's the figure? You, if, if you were talking to a Gestalt person, you will hear the word figure. And I love that because it really means what are you paying attention to? And one of the things in coaching a leader is, we know that a leader has to engage people in paying attention to a figure that is shared. That's called a shared vision, a shared figure. And so very often, a very big part of Gestalt work is what's the issue? What's the figure? So someone presents, I really want to, I really want uh, you to uh, support me and being able to communicate my vision to my group. But when you meet with them, 
what you really hear as you listen to them is you, you hear that the person doesn't have faith that they're really going to be able to power up to that group because whatever it is, he's not paying, he, she's not paying attention to how he really feels about the work or in today's world, uh, surprisingly, so many people are unprepared to deal with the, the, the confusion, the grief, the uncertainty. So how do we support people to be able to go forward with one figure and also recognizing that we have a running figure now and that is at any day, things can be closing and opening. You know, so I just got off the phone with someone who said, I, I couldn't call you in the past month. And when he told me it was ridiculous because, you know, his his son-in-law got a COVID, then his wife, daughter got COVID, then the, his wife went to take care of the family. She got COVID. Ultimately, he got COVID. They're all OK. But when I listened to it, I thought, OK, this is just it's this is now this is not therapy. This is real life. And that's not going so well. So we have to be able to span what's the figure. Then the thing about it is no matter what the figure is, what's the emotional energy? Do we feel anxious? Do we feel excited? Um, you know, a figure that has no emotional energy is probably not very compelling. So we, we really do look for the emotional energy and we look to be able to manage it. We get very interesting is how you're moving towards that figure. I mean, how are you satisfying yourself or not? You know, some people talk about, I want to do this. And then they talk about that for six months. <laughs> hey, do, you, do you see challenge with, um, with doing this virtually, this type of, of, of work? And, um, yeah, I, 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 I tell you, it's actually challenge to um, engage with each other virtually. And yet the truth is, it's, it's our own challenge. Like how are we uh, ourselves? How are we transparent? How do we share our glitches with each other? And how do we say, you know, is this working for you? Pause, what do we need to do? So I do think, sure, is it, is it, does it feel, you know, I wrote a little article with a colleague of mine from Georgetown on, I, we called it the oxytocin checklist. You know, not being engaged near each other. We don't have those regular hits. Like even now I'm wearing glasses. Why? I want to make sure I see your face. <laughs> but in person, I wouldn't have to wear glasses because I'm pretty good in person. But on the screen, I, I, I find myself needing to do a little extra. And when we close the screen, I noticed, you know, I'm a little bit more fatigued. I need to do stretch because I'm, I'm all my energy is going to this little screen, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. so it's a it's a it's a challenge but you know the interesting thing is it's forced us to find more, our creativity and i tell you that oh, the amazing thing that's happened from this so we've done some online work now since last may and i have to say our students god bless them they didn't want to go online they wanted to wait wait a year call us back in a year uh, you know and i was very like in a year you may be in a different you know, you may be in another program. You may have twins. Anything can happen, right? So uh, we, we got online. And, and the interesting thing is we found ourselves going deep with emotion. We found ourselves really giving each other very compelling feedback. But there is one thing that nobody was prepared for. And that is, uh, you know, if we're meeting in, in Istanbul and New York, you're not expecting someone from Hong Kong to jump into your group 
or from Africa, from Cape Town to jump in. And we're getting that. We're getting people it's, coming in from it's different open, parts. It's open new possibilities. And people love it. And, and uh, you know, we had somebody come in from Tel Aviv and uh, we also had somebody come in from New York. This was just a couple of days ago. I love what happened because we had them come in. And Jim, I know we have to put a call, but I just have to say the person from New York was also Israeli, but the person from Israel was not expecting um, anyone to speak Hebrew. And I don't run Zoom well enough to know how to, you know, arrange people in the breakout spaces. And so with Zoom, in the synchronicity of everything, the Israeli from Tel Aviv and the Israeli from New York were in a breakout space together. <laughs> oh, wow. It was, about, it was a wow. So I think it's about us. It's maybe of anything. It's almost like the star, star Trek has happened. Beam me up, Scotty. We're now engaged in ways that we would never have been doing this. Uh, Necessity, you know, what is necessity is a mother of invention. So we are now finding ourselves being more creative online. I think that's good, but I do think it takes extra kind of bandwidth and also real agility with each other to share the latest. What are you doing? How do we do it? Yeah, I, I definitely think that I, I, I want to have a follow up conversation mm -hmm. with this, Dorothy. And and yeah, uh, yeah and, I, and I think we I think we both. Um, um, <laughs> Um, Gozda Berber from Turkey. I think we probably both know Gozda. Oh, she's at the MCT. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, um, yeah I think we, that's another that's another joint connection that we have, and so um, yeah. Well, this has okay. been really fun, and I I really appreciate your time, and and I appreciate your your, your diligence in in working through the the technology challenges this afternoon. So um, <laughs> they were. We want our listener to know they were really a <laughs> Yes, yeah. There was a lot of effort that went into this. So, well, Dorothy, it's been great um, chatting with you, and I hope you uh, have a great weekend. Yeah, and I want to say also, I think even this moment with you, uh, Jim, with everybody, we really do need to grab the moments and engage with each other. And then, you know, the and here's a wonderful Gestalt principle, the idea of closure. Sometimes you close, you have nothing to say, uh, but sometimes you're not complete. And it, this is the positive version of unfinished business that yeah. we'll have to talk again. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Well, Dorothy, this has been uh, refreshing. You've really like energized me from our chat. Well, you take care until the next time and everybody listening, go well, be well. You take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. you've enjoyed listening to chatting about change with dr jim maddox if you want to connect more you can follow me on twitter instagram or facebook and at my website drjimmaddox.com thanks for listening